You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mama told me, son, go and play in the yard. Mama said, go and play, you gotta break your stomach on the street real hard. Welcome to it. Thanks for being with us here on Inside the Yard. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold. The Orioles ready to play a three-plus game series starting tonight at Camden Yards against the Washington Nationals. And Jeff, uh, the Orioles, it's an interesting time, interesting juncture here in the season. It's a very interesting time. Uh, You're facing a, a large swath of NL East teams at this point. Just got done with the Phillies. Now the Nationals are, are coming into town, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. It was two good games for the Orioles, and then one that has to get completed on Friday. But uh, Orioles did pretty well the first time around against the Nationals and were able to do pretty well against some pretty tough pitching. I mean, you got to Steven Strasburg in Sunday's start. You were able to get to uh, Daniel Hudson, who is one of their most reliable relievers in the game on Saturday. So, a lot, of, a lot of positives to take from the Orioles' first go-around against the Nats. Yeah, that is true. Coming up on our show today, we're going to talk next to Anthony Sanders, who's an interesting guy. First year with Brandon Hyde and the Orioles after being with the Rockies system for almost a decade and a half. Also, uh, someone who's a part of a, a Team USA, and now he's coaching first base and coaching outfield and base running for the Orioles. And by all accounts, Jeff, he's been a very positive addition to this Orioles coaching staff. Yeah, I think the Orioles knew coming in that they wanted their base running to be better because there were some times last year where they could have done a better job, and Anthony Sanders is good at that. He's also really good at working with outfielders, and he's got a good one in Austin Hayes playing in center field and then trying to work in developing guys like Anthony Santander, make them a little bit better and help them put them in the best possible spots to succeed. And, and remember, it's important to have a good outfield coach because you also have some players that can cycle between the infield and the outfield, like Andrew Velasquez, Pat Vileka. So making sure those guys are getting the right regimen of fly balls and proper pregame work is really important, and that's what Anthony uh, does a lot of. We've also seen Rio Ruiz in the outfield uh, once this year. First time. <laughs> now that's hard. Uh, so uh, we have Anthony Sanders talking about coaching this Orioles team and really excited to coach some young players. And then for our insider segment, Brian Roberts. It's all right now on Inside the Yard. Special guest right now at Inside the Yard, Orioles first base and outfield coach Anthony Sanders. First year with the Baltimore Orioles after 14 or so years in the Rockies system as a coach and manager. Anthony, how are you? I'm good, guys. How you guys doing? Well, as we record this on Wednesday, we're doing well. I think we're all a little tired after one of the more dramatic and bizarre ball games. Uh, really, I think I, any of us have seen in a long time. Yeah, no, exciting last night. I guess you know my first time here to Philly. I know we came here earlier in the season for 2.0 spring training, but uh, anything can happen in this ballpark, as you can see last night. Yeah, you, you guys had a wild win a, a night ago. I, I wanted to ask you in terms of like where that game ranks for you in terms of crazy games that you have been a part of. Where does that one fit in? Uh, that's got to be up there at the top. I mean, especially with the new rule this year with, you know, getting the guys starting off at second base and everything that comes into play and strategy-wise and 
you know, managing the bullpen. But, uh, you know, I'm glad we came out on top, man. Our guys grinded the whole time and, and never gave up. I want to get a broader sense from you, Anthony, what it's been like working under Brandon Hyde and with the coaching staff he's put together. Uh, you've been around the game for a very long time. You've competed internationally. Uh, you, you know minor leagues. You know big leagues. Uh, what has this staff been like, and what's the culture like? I tell you what, from day one, um, I knew right away that I was around a bunch of good baseball people um, from day one. And, you know, Brandon lets us, you know, stay in our own area and coach the kids up. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to come to an organization to where I'm still able to teach and not just standing over there at first base holding batting gloves uh, with a bunch of veterans. So I enjoy every day. Can you take us through, Anthony, what your daily routine is? Yeah, it's just being prepared behind the scenes. I mean, it's nonstop, just like, you know, everybody else does throughout the minor leagues and the big leagues, just being prepared and, you know, trying to relate to each individual player. Um, but on a day-to-day -day basis, just making sure in my area with the base running and, and the outfielders are prepared and, you know, on an individual basis, taking care of everybody's needs every day and still developing a lot of these players in the big league level. When – can fans and you know I'm looking at this team right now and, and there is an energy I mean none of us know where this is going to end up but I'm looking at some of the players and you weren't here last year but marked improvement pretty obvious improvement not that the team is flawless or perfect but no, no team really is but when can people kind of start saying you know what we've played a, a chunk of games here and this team is playing with some energy and, and they're pretty good yeah I think I think a lot of these kids are motivated again I wasn't here last year you know, a lot of times you hear the coaches joke around about, you know, why, why am I working with the outfitters on, on uh, balls going back? They said, if it's over your head, it's a home run. Just talking about last year. <laughs> and I kind of just walk away from all that. And, but uh, these, kids, these kids have a little chip on their shoulder. Uh, and I know they take a beating last year, but there, there's a lot to prove for a lot of these guys. These guys are getting an opportunity that none of them have had before in their career. Anthony, I know base running was a real point of emphasis at spring training. Uh, what were some things that you were stressing then, and how well do you think you've executed some of those facets of the game at the beginning of the season? I think we still have a ways to go. You know, it, it's hard to kind of just walk into a situation and, and change things overnight because you never know. A lot of these kids have been taught, you know, coming up through the minor leagues with different coordinators and coaches. So um, still trying to get a feel for everybody, trying to – get the most out of the guys, but just playing the game the right way, back to fundamentals. I mean, you could see out there during batting practice that we're still doing base running routine stuff uh, during batting practice where other teams are just kind of going through the motion. So it's something that Brandon, we talked about when I first came in, um, that he felt that was a big need from last year. And, um, you know, it's starting to show up slowly, but again, you know, it, it's going to take some time. Defensively, Austin Hayes in center field. What, what's his ceiling out there? Yeah, uh, it, it's high as the opportunity in him staying healthy. Uh, we have a handful of guys that can really go get the ball, but especially with Hazy, he's a guy that we just have to kind of calm down a little bit because he will just keep going and going. And, you know, we need him healthy for the whole year. I think with Santander, you know, trying to keep him healthy as well is, is probably important. But what have you made of his performance in the outfield so far? Yeah, he, he's another guy that can, you know, I know last year he even went out there to center field. But for me, he's a corner guy that uh, 
you know, we just got to get him healthy as well. I know he's had some arm issues in the past, but, uh, you know, whatever it takes for him, even if it's just him hitting the cutoff man for now, uh, we need his bat in the lineup every day. But definitely a guy that has really good feel and instincts in the outfield. Anthony, I'm, I'm not at all beating up on uh, Roman Quinn and the attempt he made in extra innings last night on the sinking line drive from Hayes in center field. But in that situation, what do you teach on that ball where, I don't know, maybe he came up six inches a foot short from making a spectacular grab, but an obvious, you know, high leverage situation. Uh, what's taught in that moment if you're the center fielder or any outfielder with a go-ahead run there uh, in the top half of the inning on base? Yeah, that, that's easy to say now, um, you know, watching it afterwards that he probably should have, you know, not been super aggressive on that ball just because of the score of the game. You know, maybe different point in the game, you know, you can go for the ball, but you know, he, he's got to play that ball in one hop if he has no chances to catch that, uh, just what's at stake. Um, you know, that's a play that we, we cover all the time in the outfield when we talk about, you know, balls that we can go get and that we can't. So he probably should have played that on the hop. But you talk about the energy. I was actually watching the game last night and, you know, always go back and watch the positive and negatives from both teams. And you should have seen the energy of our guys once he missed it. I think half the guys in the dugout were jumped over the rail, waving the guy. So we had like four third base coaches waving them in, which was awesome to see. Anthony, when, when you look at playing outfield in the major league and adjusting to it, how much, how much time does it take from an instinctual perspective where you're kind of on the same page where you're reading the ball off the bat the right way? How much of an adjustment is that? Maybe especially for somebody – like say somebody like a Ryan Mountcastle who is kind of on the way up or, or somebody who is newer to playing the outfit after they maybe hadn't done it a lot in the minor leagues. Yeah, it, like I said, it all depends on the individual. You have some guys who are converted infielders to outfielders who uh, may need a little bit more instruction. Then you have some true center fielders that have played center field their whole career. And then you put them in the big leagues and you put them in the corners where, you know, it takes a little bit more time to, to read the ball and react than just going to get in center field. So there's a combination of things, but, you know, a guy like Mountcastle has been putting a lot of work in and, you know, just some of the basic fundamentals of dropping your head, getting back to running to a spot, you know, um, little things like that are stuff that he's continued to work on and improving on. Anthony, uh, the other day when I was hosting the Orioles pre and post game show, O's Extra on Masson, uh, we had a great video of you and your three boys, uh, going through baseball routine and, and training and, and practicing. Uh, you can catch the video at Orioles.com and see a bunch of other cool videos. But uh, I have to say that the drills you were doing with your three boys were really impressive. Now, I guess they're all infielders from what I gather. Yeah, they're all infielders and I mean, they can go to the outfield. But uh, <laughs> that was something we did during the COVID. I think all my neighbors uh, know that we're all baseball players in our neighborhood because you know, we do everything right there in the front street just so we can have a place to, to work out since all the parks and stuff are closed. But, no, I got three three wonderful boys that are talented. And that, you know, all, all this really sucks for them that's going on. It's all a trickle-down effect because, you know, they're at home now and, you know, not getting to play as well. But they – I can just tell they, they love the game and, and they're really good. I mean, you uh, – it was a very competitive uh, a bunch of drills that you were doing with them as well. Yeah, that, that's the only downfall for me is, you know, getting my first shot in the big leagues. And my son and my, my kids and my family have been with me through the long journey. And, you know, for them not to be able to show up to the ballpark every day and be around it, you know, it hurts a little bit. But it's all for a good cause. 
Anthony, last one for me. Um, when you're watching games of other teams or maybe MLB Network or anything like that, when you look at outfielders across the major leagues that, and you want to pay attention and, and you're trying to focus on what it is that they're doing, who are a couple of players that when, when you see them in the outfield, you want to pay a little bit closer attention just because of what they do? You know, for me, it's a whole. It's, it's, it's how they play as a unit. Um, I really enjoy watching guys challenge themselves. You know, it really bothers me watching guys or teams who just play on the warning track. And I know the ball carries a little bit more in different ballparks, but guys who actually push themselves. And I think every pitcher out there appreciates when a guy can, you know, cover a little bit more ground. Um, you know, so there, there's some special guys. I mean, we've had some, some pretty good outfitters that we've played against this year already, you know, from Boston and, you know, Tampa Bay, where some guys have made some really good plays and taken some hits away from us as well. Anthony Sanders, Orioles first base and outfield coach. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. No, thank you guys for having me. It's now time for our insider segment. Brian Roberts is with us right now. And B-Rob, let's first, first start with kind of the general overview of this Orioles team. And I think it's hard to ignore. There's an energy they play with. And there seems to be a team chemistry. Am I, am I on to that? I mean, that seems pretty obvious right now. Well, no, I agree with that 100%. Um, but I also believe that team chemistry is always better when you're playing well and you're winning. Um, so, I, But I was also on teams that had good team chemistry, and we had a great time, but we were terrible. So I can look back to, like, some of our 07, 08 teams, and, and we had great team chemistry. We loved being around each other and hanging out, but we just – we stunk on the field. So I, I think team chemistry is good. But I don't think it wins you games necessarily because you've also heard many, many um, people talk about some of those Yankee teams that they didn't have great team chemistry, but their talent was overwhelming enough that they went on to win World Series. So, you know, I go back and forth on team chemistry. I do like the way that this team is playing, and I think they're just more talented than people gave them credit for at the beginning of the year, to be honest. Uh, B-Rob, a lot of multi-run innings lately for the Orioles. They put up a lot of quality at-bats, at least from what we have seen. Um, but how would you analyze how good some of these at-bats have been over the last week? Well, I think offensively, I mean, this team is blowing people's minds, to be honest with you. Um, who went into spring training thinking that this was going to be a team that averaged five runs a game, uh, 260 team average, 780 OPS above that? Uh, up in the top echelon of the best offenses in baseball. And I don't know that anybody necessarily saw that coming. So you have to put together good at-bats in order to put those kind of numbers up. And what I really like is the fact that they can do it in so many different ways. Um, they can play small ball, which is hit the ball the other way, take your base hits when you need them. And then they can beat you with the long ball up and down the lineup too. And I think what is really uh, exciting, should be exciting for Orioles fans when you look at this team and the way this organization is going and the way they're building is that this is the third youngest offensive team in all of baseball behind the Toronto Blue Jays and the San Diego Padres. Now, if you want to talk about young offensive talent, you're going to talk about those two teams. Would anybody have said that the Orioles would be third in that conversation this year? No, but that's how they're doing it, which means that this is an offense that's not going anywhere. And, and if you look at baseball in the last 10 to 15 years, how have people built sustainable winners? They have built offense from within the organization, and then they've gone out and gotten pitching 
to take them over the hump. And I think that's what the Orioles are doing. And when you look at guys like Hanser Alberto, um, obviously um, Santander and Rio Ruiz and uh, Nunez, all these guys, they're still young. They're in their prime. They're just coming into their prime. So I just love the maturity of this offense at an average age of 26.7 years old. It's fun to watch. E-Rob, you stole 285 bases in your career. I'm not sure how many times you were able to swipe home. Uh, <laughs> but the play on Tuesday night with Andrew Velasquez, in a critical moment of the game, Orioles have a two-run lead. Uh, Chris Davis is up against a tough left-hander out of the Phillies' bullpen. I love the call by Velasquez. It was a bang-bang, uh, you know, eyelash kind of play at home, and only on review did the Orioles not get the call. But take us through that moment as a base runner and what you're looking at and that aggressive mentality. Well, yeah, you know, probably very few people, I guess, would enjoy that kind of base running as much as I do. Um, I love to try and push the envelope and do things that were a little unconventional on the bases. And Andrew Velasquez, I knew from the beginning of spring training, just hearing from the coaching staff who had been around him on other teams and things like that, that that was his nature. And that was he has phenomenal instincts, they say. And I think that is something that had been talked about probably for a pitch or two, if not more than that. Hey, if we get in this situation and Chris Davis gets two strikes on him or down in the count against this tough lefty, we may try to swipe home. Uh, they obviously had noticed that Real Muto probably goes to his knees, maybe flips it up nice and soft to the pitcher, maybe doesn't take a peek as much as he should down at third base. And on the replay, you could see that Velasquez was a third of the way down the line at least before Real Muto ever even released the ball. And the pitcher had to barehand it uh, on the way back and make a throw. And everybody thought he was safe until replay. But I love the aggressive part of the game. And this is what the Orioles are doing, in my opinion. They are taking the opportunity to push the envelope in every way to try and win games. And sometimes you got to take those kind of risks. It didn't end up working out, but I love the aggressive play. Do you like kind of how Brandon Hyde has managed the bullpen so far? You know, bringing in Castro sometimes in the sixth inning or maybe going to Michael Gibbons at a key point in the seventh. Do you like the way he's been able to set it up? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, I think certainly after a second blown save last night from Cole Solso, they're going to have to try and figure out that ninth inning a little bit. Um, it's tough to be a really, really good team and give the ball in the ninth inning um, to somebody who has very, very little experience at the big league level, much less closing out those last three outs of the game. Um, and so I, I get the aspect of trying to use your quote unquote best relievers in those highest leverage situations, but I don't care what anybody says. Those last three outs of a ball game in the ninth inning on the road, they're still the hardest outs to get. And in my opinion, you still have to have your best arm getting those outs. Now, certainly there's the, there's the possibility that if you're at the bottom of the order, maybe you can do that, but that's what happened last night. They were at the bottom of the order, but all of a sudden the order got turned over with two outs and nobody on base, and those three outs became very difficult to get. They have some electric arms back there, which we haven't seen in quite a while in the Orioles' bullpen. Um, and, and so they have options. I think Brandon Hyde is just kind of trying to figure all of it out. He's done a great job so far, but those, those last three outs in the ninth inning, if this team is going to do what they want to do and shock some people, are still going to be what they're going to have to figure out in the end. Great insight. And our insider segment with Brian Roberts. B-Rob, thank you so much. All right, guys. Thanks. That's B-Rob and Anthony Sanders. And now uh, we look forward to a weekend series. As I mentioned, three-plus against the Nationals. Jeff, who do you have in the radio booth this weekend? I have Kevin Brown in the radio booth this weekend. So Not the right-hander. 
not the, not the right-hander. He'll be quick to point that out one to you. But, no, Kevin and I did the first series against the Red Sox. We had a lot of fun. Uh, really excited to work with him again. And so he'll be, he'll be in town, and we'll do three games in, I want to say, a half. But it's actually in the sixth inning, so it's, it's a little less than half half of a game so we'll resume Friday and then we'll play a nine inning game right after that and then we'll play uh the the, the rest of the games nine innings we you know fingers crossed um right after that but uh, Kevin will be fun to work with uh, we had a great time first first go round and it will be good to see him again and I have Mike Bordick next to me for O's extra pre and post on Masson and uh, we're on the air pretty early tonight and then in between games so uh, we look forward to all of that should be a fun weekend at the yard we'll see if the Orioles can uh, keep winning against their their rivals to the south. So uh, until the next edition of Inside the Yard, for Jeff Arnold, I'm Brett Hollander. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the baseball and be safe. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Championship team.